Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of January 2012. For newcomers, make sure you make use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com where you'll find about almost a thousand audios for free download where I try and give you shortcuts to understanding the system you've been born into, your parents were born into it too, and grandparents as well. It's a very old system where science took over from news, basically, and an organization, uh, an organizational structure took over governance, as I like to call it, and we've been conned our whole lives. We are the perfect creature to be to be ruled by our betters, you see. And I show you the books, the organizations, the foundations, and, and of course, the big bankers, too. They're in on this big system, which they call, for you, reality. It's your reality. It's not real reality, but it's good enough for you. And uh, it shows you, too, that they, they don't follow their own laws that they make for you. They have a different set of rules and laws for themselves. They can go to war whenever they want. They can break all the treaties they've signed, and that's okay. But they also give us very simplistic propaganda, and that's good enough for the majority of the public while they're out playing uh, and doing their, their fun things, as we've been taught to do, you see. So, as I said, help yourself to, to the audios there. All the sites listed on the comm site have transcripts in English for print up as well. And if you want other ones in, uh, in, in various languages, go into Alan Watts Sentinel, Sentinel.eu for other transcripts there, different languages. Remember, two, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help support me by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because I don't have shares in other com- companies or, or herbal products or whatever. I'm just out here to tell you uh, the facts because I'm chronicling the events as we go through them. And people are really in, in the dark, and I try and bring them out into the light so they can see. And then it's up to them if they want to make their minds up to do anything at all, or at least just try and understand it, although that's a hard thing to do. Most folk can't cope with it. They want happy, happy news all the time that someone else is going to make it all better for you like Santa Claus, and that doesn't happen that way. So help me out by buying the books and discs from the U.S. and Canada. You can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office uh, or PayPal. Some people say in cash. Across the world, you've got Western Union, uh, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal to order. Uh, so help me out and uh, I'll, I'll keep going a bit longer because we really are at the end of one part of the age, as they call it. The new world order is not new. It's very old. And they brought previous ones in before. Each one really is a stage, a stage of how society is to be trained for a generation or so. And all the changes then uh, prepare them for the next uh, part of the big plan. And uh, they're all ready for it. It's amazing how they do it. It's very clever. Not not a genius, actually, because uh, genius level is something always really novel. This is very Pavlovian, and it's run by a world-type system of governance. You'll find your educational authorities are all interconnected with the, the, the United Nations, and they make sure that everyone's been trained in the same nonsense uh, at all times. It's very simple, really. If you've got the cash and organization, the power, it's easy to pull off. 
That way we're all trained, we're all moved together towards the same path. We have our, our thoughts, we have our opinions, all given to us, of course. And because everyone else has had the same indoctrination, they go along with you as well. They think, so that's how we think we're sane. They all, they all think the same as I do. You know, I'm sane. But in reality, you're all technically brainwashed and prepared for everything. Right down to how you'll react to certain topics with anger, uh, disgust, whatever it happens to be. That's all been put into your mind by your indoctrinations and augmented by media, movies that really imprint them using emotional levels to imprint the effect, the desired effect. So you'll come out with the right opinion. Very scientific society indeed, and that's only a tiny little scraping of it because it was permeates your whole life and everything to come yet because they've already planned your future. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. It's a sad thing to say, to say that uh, uh, everyone's waiting for a champion to come along and do everything for them so they can go and continue and play and watch TV and, and surf the web and so on. It doesn't happen that way in reality. You have to get up there and get off your duff and do something yourself. And most folk don't like doing that because it takes some risk as well. Plus, it lose out in some pleasure. Uh, so most folk today are basically egocentric and egocentric and narcissistic. That's the society that Bertrand Russell at the big world think tanks talked about in the 1940s and 50s. Says we'll create them to be narcissistic. That way they won't help anybody, never mind each other in times of crisis, and the government will be the boss. And that's what you have today. Everyone complains to each other, but talking about it doesn't really change it, just talking about things. And apart from that, you've got to know what you're talking about and where you want to go with it, if you want a movement of any kind. You've got to have some kind of uh, system already designed, an idea uh, that, that binds it all together and binds the people together. If you don't have that, you're, you're simply a collection of people letting off steam. And of course, that's what most folk do. They simply let off steam and... Um, it isn't until you all agree to be bound by even a charter, like a charter of rights, or else a constitution, do you, do you actually get anywhere at all. And even then, you cannot deviate from it. When you see it deviating and someone's got in a high position in your own organization and taking you over, that happens all the time too. So, you, as I say, it's, it's bad news, it's very bad news, and as I say, if you can't take the heat, then get out of the kitchen, because the, the whole idea of warfare is, is total warfare, is to defeat an enemy. And believe you me, when you have an enemy that's had a war on you for hundreds of years, when you and your grandparents were oblivious to it, then it's a very devious and a very determined enemy, very incredibly determined enemy, and they're not simply going to give up because you ask them nicely. So we're living through this big change of globalization and the transfer of wealth, which really is uh, from the richer countries. And richer means you can afford to wear clothes without holes all through them at the moment. And uh, it's to be put across the world. Jerry ends up in big corporations, factories that set up across the planet, not uh, to, to mend the holes in the people, of the clothes in the people over in Africa or somewhere. But that's by the by. You see, we're living in a scientifically designed system. 
scientifically designed, uh, augmented by the media. As Jackson Law said, you must get an education so you're all primed, basically, for the coming propaganda you'll get in your whole life. And, and we are. We're primed. We're taught to believe in the media. The media is private, remember, privately owned. And as, as right into the 1960s and early 70s, folk were always suspicious of the media because they knew the history of these media barns. They knew the clubs that they belonged to, but not anymore. Most people today uh, are so mind-bombed with the bizarre stuff they put on television as it goes into the news. You can hardly tell the difference today what's news and what's actually so-called entertainment uh, that they can't tell. They re- still believe it's news and it's real. And these very famous, wealth, wealthy and well-paid people surely wouldn't go up there and lie to you. They get paid millions, these people, these, these main ones, these main anchor people, millions of dollars per year. Because, you see, you grow up with them and they're familiar faces and they stare you straight in the eye. You don't see the dummy board they're reading and they would never tell you a lie, you see. They become appendage to your brain, they do your critical reasoning for you, your critical thinking for you, and you, you go with them, you trust them implicitly. That's a problem. That's an awful problem because, you see, that's completely a psychological operation and it's meant to be that way. The elites have never given the general public any kind of reality. Never, ever. It's just not done, you see. And... Um, as I say, when you when you start to understand and wake up yourself, don't go off into some kind of manic crisis running around the place waving pamphlets around or saying, look at this and you'll understand and you expect everyone to suddenly see the light and get converted like a religious experience. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way because those who are under the indoctrination where it's worked perfectly for them, uh, well, it doesn't matter what you showed them. If it was signed by the president himself and addressed to them, it wouldn't matter. They'll still stick with their indoctrination, as, as most folk will. So it's always up to those who are willing to, to bear the, the burden, uh, take the heat as well, to at least get in touch with other ones who are, have an ability to understand and don't want to be global, as they say. We don't want to be ruled from a far-off place with people we don't know, never mind get in touch with. The only reason you understand that governments in centuries ago occasionally, occasionally, would do the will of the people was because they had barons there with big armies who would fight the king if the king got too uppity. That's the only reason, and and he was within reach of them, you see. When you end up with global governance that's so vague and obscure and ubiquitous, it's all over the planet, it's scattered all over the planet. How, how on earth can you keep them in fear of you? Because that's the only way, only way it can run. The founding father said that too. When the people are afraid of their governments, something's very wrong. And they should be afraid of their governments as we watch them go take one war after another and they plunder and plunder and plunder and they go deeper into debt with you signed on as the guarantors for ever and ever with compound interest to pay for all this while the big international corporations, which are owned by the big bankers themselves, end up looting the countries of oil and minerals, diamonds, gold and all the rest of it. That's the reality that we're living through. And they even give you the lists of countries that, you know, back in the 90s that they want to take out. Well, that's it, folks. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're not stopping with, with the, the Middle East and then, and then parts of Asia. They're going into the Far East, and they want to take up every Muslim country, Brunei included. Little, little old Brunei, you know. But um, this is the agenda for the rest of your, your life. Because, you see, America is going to be so hated by dispossessed people who've been plundered, lost everything, and their families, that that kind of anger 
believe you me, it goes on intergenerationally. And that means America is going to take the heat. That means all of you. That means you're going to have security uh, build-ups and false flags and all the rest of it, and some real ones perhaps, with ticked-off people for the rest of your lives and your children's too. That's really what's happening. And there's no doubt about it. They're making sure that the U.S. is the country primarily that's going to take most of the heat for all of this. And you always say, who, who benefits? Well, I'll leave that up to you. It's quite simple, really, if you've if you got any logic whatsoever. Now, as we go through this incredible system, uh, the big boys come out again. I always think of them. When they talk about depopulation was a, an, a definite thing that they had to do without permission of the public because they get no volunteers coming forwards. And, uh, and so they go ahead and they poison you in many different ways. And then they add to add to that, they bring you down financially. Now, the bankers brought down the economy at the right time. They lost nothing, by the way. I mean, nothing, these were built, there was real houses there once they found out who owned them, but there were real houses there. There's also real little factories and, and little engineering shops galore and things like that. They all, they all just disappeared. Well, they, the bankers still own them. And then, of course, we bailed them out for being crooks. We bailed them out. And now we're all down for the next 150 years to pay off that with compound interest passed on to children again. And, and you want to keep this going. You want to keep this going? Do you? Just because you're happy with your bit of television and your reruns of, of, of whatever you, you watch that fascinates you, helps you escape the reality of this nasty old world. Do you really want to keep this going? Because you know where it is going. You're going to probably get brought down to utter poverty. And eventually the big eating machine you call your military is to come home after it's all over and start eating all of you. See, it's a global system. They have no favorites, understand? The peasant in China, the peasant in Brunei, the peasant anywhere else is no different from the peasant in America. We're all peasants to them at the top. You're either a member of the elite club or you're not. It's a technocratic society now. So the ones who can, can help the elite run the system and dominate the system are the only ones now that matter to the elite. The peasants, you can get them anywhere. There's an article here. Uh, as Britain goes down the tubes, that they're putting up the death rate, of course. It says the rate of mortality in the poorest areas of Britain is reportedly as high as in some crisis-hit African nations. Official figures reveal. According to the records released by Office for National Statistics, the death rate in the country's most isolated parts is as high as 1,500 deaths per 100,000 people in one year. Uh, Brinsinthan in Bridgen, South Wales, came up top of the areas in England and Wales with the highest rate of mortality with 1,419 deaths per 100,000 people in 2009. Whittington in Osbury uh, came in second with 1,468, followed by Portrack and Tillery in Stockton Tees, 1,422. Gerswilt West in Wrexham, uh, 1,419. Offa and Wrexham, 1,297. Grovener in Wrexham is 1,284. It says, however, the rate of mortality in Rwanda in Central and Eastern Africa is 1,427. And in Botswana in Southern Africa, it's 1,452, the World Health Organization reported. 
So, I mean, Britain's actually beats uh, Botswana and so on for 1,499 deaths. Brahma had 100,000 in 2009, and Botswana only had 1,452,000. Health experts, he's those experts again, the guys who, you know, tell you all the nonsense, believe that the data reveal the problem of parts of the country that previously were amongst the industrial areas. Well, guess what, folks, when they signed the World Trade Organization, every single politician, and it was a must-be too, everyone's told you had to vote for this, that it would deindustrialize all of you. Same in America, same in Canada, same everywhere else. And they had no intention of replacing that work with any other kind of work. So the, the people were effectively written off. Again, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. And all, all the unemployed folk are just the eggshells, you see. That was Rockefeller and Rothschild both said the same, made the same analogy. The experts also stressed that elder people who had to handle hard manual work would die sooner, while young inhabitants often turned to drinks or drugs due to the high rate of unemployment in the country. And, of course, the government makes sure there's an unfaltering supply of drugs flooding in. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and when I was small too, I used to wonder about all these science exposés that happen on television, and they'd always show you rats going around around different mazes and things like that, and wires stuck in their heads, and mice, and different things, and, I, and obviously it was to do with humans, uh, this is what all research is about, you must, you must control the human first to, to conquer the planet, not, not the rats or the mice, you see, and... Um, this article here is about super soldier ants. Everybody's been on about it. I'm sure the young ones just love it. It says, McGill University researchers in, in Canada were able to recreate or create super soldier ants, which are a biological anomaly in the lab. McGill University researchers were able to create them. And it says um, that uh, these ants uh, develop into super soldiers after altering them a bit with huge oblong heads and giant vicious claws. Maybe they only make people that can go and do mining and have big massive claws like that, you know, but be awful cheap. The findings are significant because they show there is dormant uh, genetic potential. That's now, think about that, dormant genetic potential that can be invoked by changes in the environment and locked in a place for a very long time. In other words, you have all these these dormant genes and junk genes, like they love to call them. There's nothing junk about them because it's all of you. It's, you are the result of all those genes. And they can they can alter them, etc., and basically alter your physique or what kind of human being or whatever. Or half and half, they're going to make you into. You know, one day you'll be getting that at school. And you'll have a little, used to have that at school when you, when you left school, they'd have these meetings every year and you'd see these expert counselors, you know, that would tell you about your opportunities as milk boys and things like that. Anyway, um, so shortly it'll be, you know, telling you we can be all in your arms and we can give these giant mandibles and things like that too. You know, saving on carbide blades and cutting things in mines. How about that? But you like that, Jimmy? Oh, sure, that looks, sounds good, you know. It's kind of hard eating your meals, mind you, but 
I'm sure there's a way around it. So it's nothing to do with little, little uh, ants, of course. It's to do with the fact that they can alter them. And these articles are also meant to condition you, pre-program you, that this, all this stuff is coming as you go into transhumanism and trans-everything else. In fact, all the trans stuff and the gay stuff is all part of that, is to get you used to all different kinds of humans, not what you first think they are or even what they look like. The fact is what they say they are, and to get you used to actually getting altered altogether. This will definitely come. They can do it now if they, if they want to, if they haven't already, in fact, in secret facilities. Anyway, it says the... Um, the leader author was Ehab Abuhaif, McGill University biology professor, whose research was published in the journal Science. The author suggests that hanging on to ancestral development toolkits can be an important way for organisms to evolve new physical traits. Birds with teeth, oh how wonderfully, snakes with fingers, and humans with ape-like hair. These are ancestral traits that pop regularly in nature, Abuhaif said. But for the longest time in evolutionary theory, these ancestral traits were thought to go nowhere the Barnum and Bailey of evolution, so they've been an unappreciated source of evolutionary variation. You know, the only way we really know about evolution is that man can do it through science. You know. This is typically super-soldier answer, biological anomalies that occur rarely in nature and only in limited geographic re- regions. But the McGill researchers found these super-soldiers in unexpected regions and also created them by manipulating hormones. Just the hormones, eh? In how many articles were read here about the hormonal treatments we've all had? Uh, Charles Galton Darwin said we could make the male very passive and even make the female aggressive by altering their hormonal structures. Now we've gone through a bisphenol A and everything else and all this stuff in the women's uh, co- uh, cosmetics, which uh, if she's plastering it on when the child is in the womb, especially a male child between 8 and 12 weeks, he'll never truly be a, what you would call a normal man. He'll, he'll fit into that, you know, that, that group, that, that grey area group now that's awfully popular. Anyway, it says, Predal, big-headed ant colonies contain millions of ants, including minor workers and soldiers. Uh, depending on the food ants are fed, certain hormones are triggered in the ant larvae, and they either develop into soldiers or minor workers. Then there are super-soldier ants that block their nest entrance with their extra-large heads and fight with invading ants during army ant raids. Abiff and his team unexpectedly found super-soldier ants in the fetal species in Long Island where they aren't normally seen. There's a lot of weird stuff not normally seen in Long Island. They, they were then able to artificially induce them in the lab by dabbing the larvae with juvenile hormone and indicating that environmental cues can switch on the genetic machinery that produces super soldiers. Actually, in epigenetics, you can, you can use a lot of different chemicals and hormones and so on to switch on vital parts of the brain. You can switch them on and off, either temporary or permanently, by the way. And it says... Um, so, that, so what we're showing is that environmental stress is important for evolution because it can facilitate the development of novel phenotypes. Anytime you have mismatch between the normal environment of the organism and its genetic potential, you can release them and these things can be locked in place for 30 to 65 million years. I love how exact they are, but 30 to 65 million, you know. These are because they're experts, of course. But you understand, this has nothing to do with uh, playing with ants. Is to do with eventually playing with people, which they've already been doing. They've been doing that already. We can see it. We can see it even in the physical changes in the male and the female since the 1960s. 
when even the pelvic structure of the female gets narrower and narrower till they have to get cesarean sections. That was a sudden thing that happened. And nothing happens suddenly in nature unless, like, like this article here, someone suddenly started tampering uh, with the hormonal structure of the male and the female, which, of course, they did. Now, I can hear the music coming in, so we'll be back in a moment after this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and you know, psychopaths can have fun occasionally amongst each other. They, they like to show off, for instance, they, they do like attention. And Canada's privy government, we have privy governments in the British Empire, and it's still the British Empire, and um, it's a private government, really. This is a closed cabinet type, we don't know who they are, and they also have members of the public, uh, industrial boys here, a good fascist system, who also join in as well. We're not, not allowed to know who they are either. But anyway, they get some of the politicians involved and they play little games just to pass the time and, uh, and compete with each other, etc. And this one here was it's from Ottawa. It says, several hundred of the Prime Minister's daff, staff donned full combat gear, pretended to visit an Afghan village. I wonder if they built one for them, or tax money, and sucked on name tags using straws in a zany day of games meant to build morale. So they played soldiers really well with their pot bellies. They probably had elastic shirts, and that's what's to, to allow for the stretch, you know. But uh, it says, this so-called amazing PCO race, referring to the Privy Council office, included other challenges only a bureaucrat could relish, balancing a fake budget, spotting errors in bogus briefing notes, and assembling a jigsaw puzzle of cabinet ministers' faces. Oh, how oh, what fun, eh? Almost 370 public servants and 40 teams collected points for each successful task, with the winners promised a pizza lunch with Wayne Wouters, clerk of Privy Council. This is something from, the, from medieval times, Privy Councils and things, eh? The good-natured rabble-rousing took place last September in a radical departure from the usual town hall held annually to keep bureaucratic, bureaucrats pumped about their jobs at the Privy Council office, the central organ of government, and Stephen Harper's own department. More than 1,000 people work in the various sections of the PCO. So amongst the challenges they had, it says here, the Afghanistan village, where they'd, I guess they'd run in there and kill everybody uh, after searching their pockets for cash for the budget. Trivia and puzzle challenge in which a member of each team had to put on personal protective equipment and dash through a circuit. Build your own budget in which participants created a do-it-yourself budget uh, by selecting unpriced items subject to budget budget constraint. In other words, they add value-added tax and stuff. Gearing up for combat where participants were assigned to dress a member of their team in either full Canadian Forces Arctic gear or combat gear. And then points will be based on speed and proper order of wearing the kits. So they get points just for wearing this stuff, you know. 
a spy challenge in which team members will employ a piece of high-tech equipment used by security and intelligence agencies to complete a highly secretive challenge. That's probably when they, they get some, some they, they grab some victim off the street and waterboard them and get some information out of them. The event involved a series of combination locks. Well, that would really keep them going for years. Wacky challenges also include moving apples by fork into a bucket of water and sucking up name tags using a straw and depositing them on all on another table. The, the morning event ended with light refreshments for all. I bet it was light, all right. Yeah. The, the, and neither would be the, 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 the tab at the end of it, too. The, uh, documents detailing the fun fest were obtained by Green Press and so on. Under the Sega Access to Information Act, you have to get access to information. You find out where these guys are playing, you know, <laughs> playing away like little boys. And it says, too, one of the amazing race teams were made up of senior executives, you know, the higher psychopaths, who soon set a bad example for their employees. The release materials indicates, it says, we regret to inform that the executive team was disqualified for falsifying their scorecard at one of the challenges. Well, that's what they do with budgets and statistics and everything else to suit them at the end of the year. Oh, we're broke. We need to tax you more. And they fudge all the, all the numbers. So anyway... Uh, these guys really have a, a great time uh, up up there, and they get fed for everything and wined and dined afterwards, and uh, just just so wonderful uh, to to be a, a clown at the top, isn't it? So that's what it is. Now the Greeny uh, Guardian, which is awfully green, of course, uh, says 2012 could see globalization two take off. This is part two, I guess. It says um, it's looking like a grim year next year with austerity set to stay. So, and believe you me, that is set to stay because you're, we're post-consumerists now. You're getting taught that all your money, your extra cash, will go in fees and taxes and things like that. And, and to help the folk up across the world, you know, the poorer, suffering minions. But perhaps this will jumpstart globalism too. A greener, more equitable, that means spreading your wealth again, and well-being oriented form of globalization. Am I a hopeless optimist? Well, quite possibly, but activities this year show that we could be moving in the right direction. Actually, it's called, it doesn't say it in this article here, but the big movements under globalization and austerity, where, where they take all your money back off you again to help again the, the poor multinationals across the planet. It, they actually call it the great transition. And it's a massive movement, well funded again from the top down. And, and to teach you to be happy with nothing, you know. And, and even you say, well, what is health and what is happiness anyway? And then they define it for you. And it's just a state of mind, isn't it? Mind you, once you get your little uh, brain uh, pulser, like the, I mentioned last week there, you'll probably be quite happy with anything. It says, first off, revolution is already here. The Occupy Movement, the UK summer riots in the Arab Spring may not present a clearly defined set of motives, but they do indicate a growing intolerance of the rich-poor divide and the excesses in the more affluent parts of society. They should be affluent, actually, the only ones who can afford it. And then there's the government revisiting a happiness index, further highlighting the flaws with their current preoccupation with gross uh, uh, GDP. Well-being indicators used by government and the Office for National Statistics, including health, what we do, where we live, personal finance and education skills, have already stirred up a great deal of debate, while perhaps also broadening the nation's outlook on how we measure progress in today's society. Now, under great transitions, and uh, I do have links, I won't put them up tonight though, but you'll find that's what it's all about. It's not to do with your gross domestic product or anything like that. It doesn't matter if you've got none at all or very little. It's how you feel about it. Do you feel well about it? Do you, do you feel well about being poor? 
and and they teach you how tools, how to be happy with it and everything, you know. Another part of the well-being agenda, according to the New Economics Foundation, and by that's part of the the great thing is the the great transition is New Economics Foundation, another private organisation, has been more connected to people and issues around us, and this is gaining traction with Generation C, the connected generation. So we've gone past the Ys and the Xs and all that, and we're now at Generation C. This new breed refers mainly to being connected in an online sense to the latest news, music, and games. In other words, the total stuff that indoctrinates them from by the elites. However, Generation C is also giving rise to an explosion of new international entrepreneurial approaches around collaborative consumption. Collaborative consumption, which means com- communism, folks. You know, the collectivization of things. Within communities, that's communitarianism, that encourages moves away from throwaway society to the one that focuses on a reuse. Uh, Zilluk, Ikomodo, Swapstyle.com and neighborhood or neighbor goods are amongst the many social networking enterprises operating in the space and such outfits are racing ahead with greener alternative business models. You'd probably make yourself um, a suit if you, if you sewed them together with, you know, the lids of coffee cups and things and things like that, and, and feel good about it, and be you, be an individual, you know. So I'll put this link up tonight, and you can read the, 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 the garbage that's on it, and you'll see the organizations that are involved. But I'm not kidding, um, this is a big move. This is what they've decided, is how to train the public now to be uh, communal, uh, communal in a collectivist society, communism in a, in a sense, and you've already got your leaders picked for you. This is the new Soviet. The Soviet system ran, means, it means ruled by councils, and you have councils for everything. And believe you me, when they tell you what you're going to be when you grow up, they pick you as a little child, and you get taught nothing but that one subject. You'll be completely ignorant about the rest, but you'll you feel good about it, because they'll make you feel good about it. So the great transitions... Uh, under sustainable sustainability and all that, I'll put that up tonight. Now, educate yourself is another one too. I want to put up tonight at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. See, Canada got a charter of rights when Trudeau was in. Trudeau was a communist, by the way. He was the first uh, openly acknowledged communist uh, in in the Canadian as a Canadian prime minister, and um, he actually was the head of the Common Term for Canada. He uh, he took the their meetings or, or, or their, their uh, members over to Russia in 1952. The media didn't bother reporting that when he ran for government because, you see, it's a big con, this communism versus capitalism. It's all owned by the same big bankers. It's easy to run you this way in a socialist-type government, you see. Queensland, Australia's newly proposed constitution is pure communism, masquerading as a republic. I'll put this link up tonight, too. And you can prove that for yourself. See, Canada got one from Trudeau, and it did it with the old, the old British uh, Act, an old Act they had, which actually gave you property rights. The new one, you have no property rights or anything at all when you go through at all. Now, another link I'll put up too is, uh, is, is about Obama, who still uses his telephone. He's, he loves to use his phone. He's been warned so many times about it because folk can, you know, grab it. And this is from Krypton. And uh, it says Obama's called a moron at phone security because they keep, they keep telling him not to use the cell phone, which can be easily bust into in certain areas. And um, the guy says at the end, the guy who's trying to uh, get Obama to use more, more uh, safe, secure paths of transmission, he says that the guy's also arrogant. So he's an arrogant, utter moron as well. 
and uh, you can see this for yourself, but what's new, eh? I've also mentioned this article before. It's very important because, see, under Britain, they've got the big society, which is communitarianism. As they cut you off in little areas, and you will then have a, an elected representative, maybe unelected, that will go and borrow directly for, uh, for, from the big banks for infrastructure, and you'll all have to pay it off, or, or they'll simply take your whole land and everything on it, including you. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, folks. And this organization that do it using in the States is using it to, and they appoint themselves to councils. No one even knows that they exist at times, at least the general public don't. But I'll, I'll put this up tonight to show you how the UN is using this organization to take over the, the city council. Some, some people in the US did catch on to it and they have got them off. They've, they've kicked them off their seats that they were getting so comfortably into all by themselves. And, um, they did kick them out when you saw the danger involved. Because these characters literally are, are forbidding you to build this, build that, do anything on your land. And they haven't gone through any kind of uh, uh, congressional debates about them. They're just there. And they're, they're giving themselves the power. Yeah. So I'll put that up tonight. Now, an Iraqi war vet says we were told to just shoot people over there and the officers would to take care of us. That's what they tell all of them, actually, in every... Every big thing that's happened for many, many years. On Monday, April the 5th, WikiLeaks org posted footage vision from Iraq taken from a U.S. military Apache helicopter in July 2007 as soldiers aboard it killed 12 people and wounded two children. We've all seen that clip. The dead include two employees at the Reuters news agency and, and so on and so on. It says, uh, the U.S. military did confirm the authenticity of the video. The footage clearly shows an unprovoked slaughter and is shocking to watch while listening to the casual conversation of the soldiers in the background. As a disturbing as the video is, this type of behavior by U.S. soldiers in Iraq is not uncommon. Uh, Truth out was spoken with several soldiers who shared equally horrific stories of the slaughtering of innocent Iraqis by U.S. occupation forces. One of them says, I remember one woman walking by, said Jason Washburn, corporal at the U.S. Marines, who served three tours in Iraq. He told the audience at the winter soldier hearings that they, that took place March 13, 16, 2008 in Silver Springs, Maryland. She was carrying a huge bag and she looked like she was heading towards us. So we lit her up with Mark 19, which is an automatic grenade launcher. We lit her up. And when the dust settled, we realized the bag was full of groceries. She'd been trying to bring us food and we blew her to pieces. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Good, good, dude, this coolie. It's like idiocracy. Yeah. But that's where we are. The hearings provided a platform for veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan to share the reality of their occupation experiences with the media uh, in the U.S. Washburn testified in a panel, discussed the rules of engagement in Iraq and how lax they were to the point of being virtually non-existent. During the course of my three tours, the rules of engagement changed a lot. He said, the higher the threat, the more viciously we were permitted and expected to respond. Something else we were encouraged to do, almost with a wink and a nudge, was to carry drop weapons or buy my th- third tour drop shovels. You always carry spare shovels and you just drop them next to someone you killed. He says we would carry these weapons or shovels with us uh, because if accidentally shot a, a, a civilian, we could just toss a weapon on the body and make them look like an insurgent. That's like the throwaways that the cops carry here if they shoot somebody by mistake too, the throwaway guns that they've caught up. 
Hart uh, Viguez, member of the 82nd Airborne Division of the Army, who served one year in Iraq, told the taking orders over the radio. He says one time they said to fire on all taxi cabs because the enemy was using them for transportation. One of the snipers replied back, excuse me, did I hear you right? Uh, fire on all taxi cabs. And the lieutenant colonel responded, you heard me, trooper, fire on all taxi cabs. After that, the town lit up with all the units firing on cars. This is my first experience with war, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the deployment. Vincent Emmanuel, a Marine rifleman who spent a year in the al area of Iraq near the Syrian border, told of emptying magazines of bullets into the city without identifying targets, running over corpses with Humvees, and stopping to take trophy photos of bodies. An act that took place quite often in Iraq was taking pot shots at cars that drove by. He said this was not an isolated incident, and it took place for most of her eight-month deployment. Kelly Doherty, uh, an executive director of Iraq Veterans Against the War, blamed the behavior of soldiers in Iraq on policies of the U.S. government. Member Kissinger said that he would prefer that once the U.S. went in there, they would so destroy all of the infrastructure and the power system of Iraq that uh, they'd be fighting amongst themselves for the next 30, 40 years. Complete destabilization. Well, that's what they've got, and that's what they're putting everywhere across the Middle East right now. And that's what they want to do eventually in, in Libya, which is not part of that Middle East thing, but it's, it's, they still say that. The abuses committed in the occupations, far from being the result of a few bad apples misbehaving, are the result of our government's Middle East policy, which is crafted in the highest spheres of U.S. power, she said. Anyway, what they do actually is terrify the populations, uh, and who wouldn't be terrified with these morons, you know, pumped up in drugs and told to kill anything that moves? Uh, they call it killing fields. You get a, you get a killing field and, and anything that moves in it, you just kill it. Anything that moves at all, that's including pets, anything. And they enjoy it. Actually, it's just like video games, you know. So that's how far down we've gone. I remember seeing them going in, remember, to Iraq, and I mentioned on the radio, because all these guys had their shirts off and they were dancing on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the top of the deck of a, uh, a big aircraft carrier and dancing in reggae and stuff. It seems kind of weird to watch them all go in like that. I thought, we're sending in the barbarians to one of the oldest cultures in the world. And that's true. That's true, folks. And uh, Iran sentences one CIA operative to death because it's interesting, too, the CIA naturally... Um, they try and recruit within the Iranian population living inside the U.S. There's a big population living there, mainly in the Hollywood area, actually. And um, they, they, they try and get them to go back there and spy for them and stir things up and get things going. Well, one was caught, and now he suffers the consequences, which any spy is supposed to uh, do under international law. And rich companies bag $1.8 billion in foreign aid. You know that foreign aid that goes to poor countries and stuff? It says, ah, here's the music. I'll read about this when I come back from this break. Back in a moment. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and I'll put up this link too. All these articles, I'll put the links up at cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the broadcast. But it's about where it really goes, and we all are into the same organizational um, handouts via the United Nations and the World Bank, which is all part of it too. 
and uh, it says, Australia's booming foreign aid programs is delivering handsome profits to a group of seven corporations. They've raked in $1.81 billion in taxpayer-funded contracts, but the lack of scrutiny of their profits is under challenge, as are the huge sums given to agencies such as the World Bank. You know, this is all part of this big deal they made at the United Nations, which receives $450 million a year. The World Bank is, by the way, is, prof- is private. Aid experts and the opposition are depend, demanding greater accountability of the money being spent to tackle global poverty. It's not, it's nothing to do with global poverty. We know that. GRM International, which recently joined the Global Futures Group, had $502 million in, in Australian aid contracts listed in the past 18 months, including $92 million to encourage Africans to study in, in Australia. Like, that's, that's, that's how they're doing it. It's big cons, eh? Cardinal, which lists uh, former defence chief Peter Cosgrove on its board of directors and which reportedly had a record of 59 million profits last year, holds 442 millions in contracts. So what, what do these big corporations need this cash for? Yeah. Including two Indonesian deals worth nearly 100 million. Kofi International, which boasts sh- sh- uh, shareholders, um, uh, how the Gillard movement is spending more on foreign aid booked. $353.4 million in contracts, including $31 million to try to weed out corruption in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> the dividends for shareholders and executives will grow even faster, with Australia's aid budget forecast to soar around $8.5 billion by 2015-16. to 16. So it's a massive uh, corrupt... Or we're run up under complete open corruption, if you just look at it. It's obviously open corruption. And so-called spreading the world's wealth is going nowhere except into the big banks and big corporate pockets. That's where it all goes. Yep. These are the same guys that, that, that uh, you know, lobby government for these contracts too and lobby that we give it more foreign aid. International multi-millionaires, some of them multi-billionaires. It's, it's really something else. It's really, really something else. And I just want to mention too before I go that Canada... Uh, is passing a law uh, to do again with the internet, the, the part two of the part one that they already had, where the, it's under sort of deregulation, supposedly, supposedly, uh, as they farm it out to subcontractors and so on, who will then buy blocks of data, supposedly, and and they can't go over that block without spending more. So it's going to be, it's going to cost the average person in Canada at least double or triple for the same rubbishy, terrible information we get off the internet uh, in, in the near future. That's where they're going with all of this, basically. And I think, basically, too, you'll also be paying for every darn thing that you look at down the road. It's the only way they'll be able to, to manage it and monitor it and how much your usage is going to be. But again, we're in austerity, don't you know? And we've got to spread all that extra cash we have across the world to big international corporations that laugh up their sleeves since they're all owned by the same small group of bankers, just like the military-industrial boys. That's the world we live in, folks. Utterly corrupt. And they don't see it as corrupt, mind you. They see it as Darwinian, and they're the survival of the fittest at the top of the tree. They have the right to manage the great unwashed masses the way that they see fit. And, mind you, the great unwashed masses seem pretty happy with it. Most of them are fairly happy. They've got lots of pornography on the Internet. They've got lots of things to look at. And they can watch Dancing with the Stars and, and stuff like that. Wow. Idiocracy is truly here. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>